Father God, we thank you for September the 9th, and Anna's going to pray and, and read in Jesus' name. Amen. Father God, we thank you for this time, Lord. We thank you for um, revealing to us what the Holy Spirit would want us to know, Lord. And Father, encourage us through the word. Father, we're so grateful for your word, which is the truth. And we're so grateful that we can apply the word to our lives, Lord. So, Father, show us the things that you would show us that would help us um, here on this earth. And, Father, we just praise you. We thank you. And we ask you to um, to show us the wonder of your word. What is it you would have us know? Teach us, Lord. We're open. Open our eyes to see. Open our ears to hear. And especially our hearts so that we can receive your wonderful word, Father. So we bless you, we thank you, and we just begin the reading now. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Uh, Isaiah chapter 3, verse 1 to 530 is the reading. And the Lord, the Lord, the Lord of heaven's armies will take away from Jerusalem and Judah everything they depend on, every bit of bread and every drop of water, all their heroes and soldiers, judges and prophets, fortune tellers and elders, army officers and high, high officials, advisors, skilled craftsmen and astrologers. I will make boys their leaders and toddlers their rulers. People who oppress each other man against man, neighbor against neighbor. Young people will insult their elders, and vulgar people will sneer at the honorable. In those days, a man will say to his brother, Since you have a coat, you will be our leader. Take charge of this heap of ruins. But he will reply, No, I can't help. I don't have any extra food or clothes. Don't put me in charge. For Jerusalem will stumble and Judah will fall, because they speak out against the Lord and refuse to obey him. They provoke him to, a, to his face. The very look on their faces gives them away. They display their sin like the people of Sodom, and don't even try to hide it. They're doomed. They have brought destruction upon themselves. Tell the godly that all will be well for them. They will enjoy the rich reward they have earned. But the wicked are doomed, for they will get exactly what they deserve. Childish leaders oppress my people, and women rule over them. O oh, my people, your leaders mislead you. They send you down the wrong road. The Lord takes his place in court and presents his case against his people. The Lord comes forward to pronounce judgment on the elders and the rulers of his people. You have ruined Israel, my vineyard. Your houses are filled with things stolen from the poor. How dare you crush my people, grinding the faces of the poor into the dust? Demands the Lord, the Lord of heaven's armies. The Lord says, Beautiful Zion is haughty, craning her elegant neck flirting with her eyes, walking with dainty steps, tinkling her ankle bracelets. So the Lord will send scabs on her head. The Lord will make beautiful Zion bald. <laughs> on that day of judgment, the Lord will strip away everything that makes her beautiful. 
ornaments, headbands, crescent necklaces, earrings, bracelets, and veils, scarves, ankle bracelets, sashes, perfumes, and charms, rings, jewels, party clothes, gowns, capes, and purses, mirrors, fine linen, garments, head ornaments, and shawls. Instead of smelling of sweet perfume, she will stink. She will wear a rope for a sash, and her elegant hair will fall out. She will wear rough burlap instead of rich robes. Shame will replace her beauty. The men of the city will be killed with the sword, and her warriors will die in battle. The gates of Zion will weep and mourn. The city will be like a ravaged woman huddled on the ground. In that day, so few men will be left that seven women will fight for each man, saying, Let us all marry you. We will provide our own food and clothing. Only let us take your name so we won't be mocked as old maids. But in that day, the branch of the Lord will be beautiful and glorious. The fruit of the land will be the pride and glory of all who survive in Israel. All who remain in Zion will be a holy people. Those who survived the destruction of Jerusalem and are recorded among the living. The Lord will wash the filth from beautiful Zion and cleanse Jerusalem from its bloodstains with the hot breath of fiery judgment. Then the Lord will provide shade for Mount Zion and all who assemble there. He will provide a canopy of cloud during the day and smoke flaming fire at night covering the glorious land. It will be a shelter from daytime heat and a hiding place from storms and rain. Now I will sing for the one I love a song about his vineyard. My beloved, beloved had a vineyard on a rich and fertile hill. He plowed the land, cleared its stones and planted it with the best vines. In the middle he built a watchtower and carved a wine press in the nearby rocks. Then he waited for a harvest of sweet grapes, but the grapes that grew were bitter. Now you people of Jerusalem and Judah, now you judge between me and my vineyard. What more could I have done for, for my vineyard that I have not already done? When I expected sweet grapes, why did you did my vineyard give me bitter grapes? Now let me tell you what I will do to my vineyard. I will tear down its hedges, let it be destroyed. I will break down its walls and let the animals trample it. I will make it a wild place where the vines are not pruned and the ground is not hoed. A place overgrown with briars and thorns. I will command the clouds to drop no rain on it. The nation of Israel is the vineyard of the Lord of the heavens of armies. The Lord, the people of Judah are his pleasant garden. He expected a crop of justice, but instead he found oppression. He expected to find righteousness, but instead he heard cries of violence. What sorrow for you who buy up a house after house and field after field until everyone is evicted and you live alone in the land. But I have heard the Lord of heaven's armies swear a solemn oath. Many houses will stand deserted, even beautiful mansions will be empty. Ten acres of vineyard will not produce even six gallons of wine. 
10 baskets of seed will yield only one basket of grain. What sorrow for those who get up early in the morning looking for a drink of alcohol and spend long evenings drinking wine to make themselves flaming drunk. They furnish wine and lovely music at their grand parties. Lear and harp, tambourine and flute, but they never think about the Lord or notice what he's doing. So my people will go into exile far away because they do not know me. Those who are great and honored will starve, and the common people will die of thirst. The grave is licking its lips in anticipation, opening its mouth wide. The great and the lowly and all the drunken mob will be swallowed up. Humanity will be destroyed and the people brought down. Even the arrogant will lower their eyes in humiliation. But the Lord of Heaven's armies will be exalted by His justice. The holiness of the Lord will be displayed by His righteousness. In that day, lambs will find good pastures and fattened sheep and young goats will feed among the ruins. What sorrow for those who drag their sins behind them with ropes made of lies who drag wickedness behind them like a cart. They even mock God and say, hurry up and do something. We want to see what you can do. Let the Holy One of Israel carry out his plan, for we want to know what it is. What sorrow for those who say that evil is good and good is evil. The dark is light and the light is dark. Wow. The bitter is sweet and the sweet is bitter. What sorrow for those who are wise in their own eyes and think themselves so clever. What sorrow for those who are heroes at drinking wine and boast about the alcohol they can hold. They take bribers to let the wicked go free and they punish the innocent. Therefore, just as a fire licks up stubble and dry grass shrivels in the flame, so their roots will rot and their flowers wither. For they have rejected the law of the Lord of heaven's armies. They have despised the word of the Holy One of Israel. That is why the Lord's anger burns against his people and why he has raised his fist to crush them. The mountains tremble and the corpses of his people litter the streets like garbage. But even the Lord's anger is not satisfied. His fist is still poised to strike. He will send a signal to distant nations far away and whistle to those at the ends of the earth. They will come racing towards Jerusalem. They will not get tired or stumble. They will not stop for a rest or sleep. Not a belt will be loose, not a sandal strap broken. Their arrows will be sharp and their bows ready for battle. Sparks will fly from their horses' hooves, and the wheels of their chariots will spin like a whirlwind. They will roar like lions, like the strongest of lions. Growling, they will um, pounce on the victim, their victims and carry them off. And no one will be there to rescue them. They will roar over their victims on that day of destruction. Like the roaring of the sea, if someone looks across the land, only darkness and distress will be seen. Even the light will be darkened by clouds. All right, thank you for this long reading, Anna. Yes, and you're welcome. What did we get on our commentary? 
What sorrows for those who are heroes at drinking wine and boast about all the alcohol they can hold. Now, we hear that a lot in Alcoholic Anonymous when the guys, they're always, we're always talking about how much of, we used to drink, chug a log and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And then I like it over here. It says, what sorrow for those who get up early in the morning looking for a drink of alcohol and mm-hmm. spend long evening drinking wine mm-hmm. to make themselves flaming drunk. You know, and, and you see, they furnish wine and lovely music at their grand parties, but they never think about the Lord or notice what He's doing. Mm-hmm. Mm. Wow, interesting that God has His eyes on those wine drinkers and alcoholics. Mm. And with His with His compassion and His fatherly love, He lets the wine and the alcohol beat us up. You know, and, and brings us down to nothing. And just the alcohol, it's the, uh, it turns on us. And we don't even know it. We don't even know it. Mm. Get a whipping by alcohol. Amen. Yeah, well, it just really sounds doom and gloom here. Uh, yeah, I noticed right here the gates of Zion will weep and mourn. The city uh-huh. will, like a ravaged woman. Uh huh, uh huh. And then 4-1, huddle on the ground. Then 4-1 starts. And this has a little hope in it. Uh-huh. Can you see? But in that day, verse uh-huh. 2, the, the branch of the Lord will uh-huh. be beautiful well, and, and glorious. glorious. Yes. The fruit of the land will be the pride and glory in all who survive in Israel. And all who remain in Zion will be a holy people. Those who survive the destruction of Jerusalem mm-hmm. and are recorded among the living, the Lord will wash the filth from beautiful Zion yes. and cleanse Jerusalem yes. in its bloodstains with the hot breath of fiery judgment. Mm-hmm. Um, I like what it says there in number five. It says, Then the Lord will provide shade for Mount Zion and all who assemble there. He will provide a canopy of cloud during the day and smoke and flaming fire at night, covering the glorious land. Now, this this reminds me of the time of Moses, right? Wow, yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah. Um, and there will be a shelter from daytime heat and a hiding place from storms and rain. So the Lord is very consistent in what he does for his people. Very compassionate. Now I will sing for the one I love a song about his vineyard. Mm-hmm. My beloved had a vineyard on a rich and fertile hill. He plowed the land, cleared his stones, and planted it with the best vines. In the middle, he built a watchtower and carved a wine press in the nearby rock. Then he waited for a harvest of sweet grapes, but the grapes that grew were bitter. So he's talking about Jerusalem, huh? Mm-hmm. The people grew bitter with wine and mm-hmm. oppression and, and proudness and, and arrogance and you know I like where it says that uh, the jo- the Lord will be justified in who we're going to boast about or how it puts it you know mm-hmm. it says that uh, but the Lord of heaven armies will be exalted by his justice mm-hmm. the holiness of God will be displayed by his righteousness beautiful I think it's 416 
humanity, humility, humanity will be destroyed and people brought down. And even the arrogant will lower their eyes in humiliation. So it says over and over again, the, the, the Lord of heaven's armies will be exalted by his just, justice alone will exalt God. That he is just and he is the one to be. Don't let prosperity and, and, and affluence and arrogance uh, keep you from reading the Word of God, the Bible. You know, it, we, we'd rather be seeing a movie of, of horror or adventure. But we know in our spirits and our duty that uh, the Lord may come back at any time. Amen, that's right. We don't it just reminded me that we're vigilant and we are. We have been. Mm. We are that branch. We are that fruit mm. of Jesus. And we're showing fruit. Would you get at it, honey? Yeah, and then, um, you know, it's interesting that it, in number 19, it says they even mock God and say, hurry up and do something. We want to see what you can do. Like, hey, show me, you know, how the people used to always want to see from yeah. Jesus the signs yeah, and the wonders. John, show me. John 6, right, right. Let let the Holy One of Israel carry out His plan. For we want to know what's your plan, Lord. You know, so um, I, I I always remember this scripture because I always hear Pastor Prince pointing it out. He says, "What sorrow for those who say that evil is good and good is evil." And that's what we're seeing in the world today. A lot of people, this is good. You know, it's okay to be. You yeah, know. We, as kids, we used to call a nice set of rims. Hey, they're bad. Mm-hmm. We didn't mm-hmm. think we're, it's just automatic. Yeah, but I mean, the, the things that we know aren't, aren't under the will of the Father, you know, like two people being married that, you know, a man and a woman, or should be a man and a woman, or just, you know, people saying that's okay now, you know, it's, it, and, and the good things, you know, are being looked at as evil, wow. you know, so. Very good point. So, because um, this is, they call the dark is light, and the light dark. So that's happening today. It's out of out of the um, so um, interesting, interesting chapter. Amen. Praise God. And that's uh, Isaiah. We, mm-hmm. It's amazing how. Uh, but it's also how, interesting in the thing I found that you know he expected to find righteousness, but he found cries of violence. He expected to find a crop of justice, but he found, and that's in number seven, four, seven, I think. Um, you know, four, seven, um, five, seven. You know, he, it says the people of Judah are his pleasant garden, and he, he expected a crop of justice, but instead he found oppression. He found, he expected to find righteousness, and instead he heard cries of violence. And um, so, you know, things, these, opposite of what he's looking for of course you know that he's talking about the uh, the coming of, of Babylon huh? uh-huh. and the people they they won't wake up uh, <clears throat> right and that's four chapters uh, almost the same uh-huh. the same waving over and over again the Lord is um, yeah and as you get like at the bottom um, it says um, for they, uh, in number 24, 524, for they have rejected the law of the Lord of heaven's armies. They have despised the word of the Holy One of Israel. That is why the Lord's anger burns against his people and why he has raised his fists to crush them. 
Amen. Um, over here in Isaiah, uh, Isaiah chapter 2, going really back, it says, uh, 2 verse 11 says, Human pride will be brought down, and human arrogance will be humbled. Pride and arrogance, only the Lord will be exalted on that day of judgment. For the Lord of heaven's armies has a day of reckoning. He will punish the proud and mighty he, and bring down everything that is exalted. He will cut down the tall cedars of Lebanon and all the mighty oaks of Bashan. He will level off the high mountains and all the lofty hills. Talking about people there, nations, people. He will break down every high tower and every fortified wall. He will destroy all the great trading ships and every magnificent vessel. Human pride will be humble, and human arrogance will be brought down. Only the Lord will be exalted on that day of judgment. So when we judge ourselves today, and a person comes to uh, to himself and says, I need God, and that he, he hits his knees, he's humble, only the Lord will be exalted in his consciousness. He calls out and he cries out for God in, in, in a judgment day for him that day, mm. you know, and accept the uh, the mercy that's available. And the Lord, again, is exalted. Only him is exalted. We cry out to him. Mm. Amen. Um, you know, it kind of be like I know, maybe next time we can read this study before we record. Okay. Not to take so much time, but I was reading it. It says here from uh, 3.13 to 15, The elders and the rulers were responsible to help people, but instead they stole from the poor because they were unjust. Isaiah said that the leaders would be the first to receive God's judgment. Why is justice so important in the Bible? Justice is part of God's nature, so it is the way he runs the universe. Every person naturally desires justice, even as sinners. We all want justice for ourselves. Even children do. When government, corporate, and church leaders are unjust, the poor and the powerless suffer. God holds the poor in high respect, or high regard. They are the ones most likely to turn to Him for help and comfort. Okay. Leaders will be held accountable for how they lead. If you are a person, are you in a position of leadership? You must lead according to God's just command. Put the needs of others before your own. Fulfill the purpose God intended. When we do nothing to help the oppressed, we are in fact joining with oppressors in their injustice. Because we follow a just God, we must uphold justice. Very good. Amen. That's beautifully said. You know, you're right. We should prep ourselves by reading this ahead of time. Mm -hmm. And then we can look good when we comment on it. Yeah. <laughs> it's just that it was in a lot of places, and I was like, okay, what am I supposed to get? And it was like... That was good. We didn't bring that up, you know, mm -hmm. and they, they were accountable. Mm -hmm. Right here it says, Many years after Isaiah, Jesus confronted the king, the kind of hypocrisy in the Pharisees. Mm -hmm. He challenged them to be better doers of God's whole revelation rather than just the parts that brought them recognition and honor. Matthew 23, 23. The Apostle Paul and James also distinguished between mere religi religiosity and true spirituality. 
Jesus' rebukes of the Pharisee also serves as a warning to us. We are not to be like them. Instead, Jesus calls us to be honest about ourselves before God and with others, to obey his entire word, and to go beyond mere formalism and appearance in our devotion to God. All right, let's read 2 Corinthians 10, verse 1 through 18. Now I, Paul, appeal to you, Corinthians, with the gentleness and kindness of Christ. Though I realize you think I am timid in person and bold only when I write from far away, well, I am begging you now so that when I come, I won't have to be bold with those who think we act from human motives. We are human, but we don't wage war as humans do. We use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock... I lost my place. Oops, I've been reading from uh, <laughs> the wrong September, September the 8th. Oh, okay. Well, it must, it must have been God wanted that portion in there, that we, uh, we live by... We're mere humans, and we, we, we fight with praising God, praising for His for His tools mm. of spirit, soul, Amen. and mind. Yes, his yes. tools, His Word, His Spirit, and the wisdom of Christ. Okay, 2 Corinthians 11, 1 through 15. Mm. I, Paul, hope you Corinthians will put up with a li- me a little more of my foolishness. Please bear with me, for I am jealous for you with the jealousy of God Himself. I promise you a pure bride to one husband, Christ. But I fear that some of you, your pure and undivided devotion to Christ will be corrupted, just as Eve was deceived by the cunning ways of the serpent. You happily put up with whatever anyone tells you, even if they preach a different Jesus than the one we preach, or a different kind of spirit than the one you receive or a different kind of gospel than the one you believed. But I don't consider myself inferior in any way to these super apostles who teach such things. I may be unskilled as a speaker, but I am not lacking in knowledge. We have made this clear to you in every possible way. Was I wrong when I humbled myself and honored you by preaching God's good news to you without expecting anything in return? I robbed other churches by accepting their contributions so I could serve you at no cost. And when I was with you and didn't have enough to live on, I did not become a financial burden to anyone. For the brothers who came from Macedonia brought me all that I needed. I have never been a burden to you, and I never will be. As surely as the truth of Christ is in me, no one in all of Greece will ever stop me from boasting about this. Why? Because I don't love you. God knows that I do. But I will continue do, to do what i always done. This will undercut those who are looking for an opportunity to boast that their work is just like ours. These people are false apostles. They are deceitful workers who disguise themselves as apostles of Christ. But I am not surprised. Even Satan disguised himself as an angel of light. 
so it is no wonder that his servants also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness. In the end, they will get punishment that their wicked deeds deserve. <clears throat> what do you think? Wow. You want to read the, the study? Yeah, let's read the study real quick. It says, uh, Paul was a brilliant thinker, but was not a trained, eloquent speaker. Although his ministry was effective, he had not been trained in the Greek schools or, or of oratory and speech-making, as many of the false teachers probably had been. Paul believed in a simple presentation of the good news. See 1 Corinthians 1.17. And some people thought that, this showed simple mind, mindless mind, mindness. Thus, Paul's speaking performance was often used against him by false teachers. Humbly presenting the good news emphasizes God's message instead of personal charisma and humility, instead of human arguments. A simple, clear presentation that helps listeners understand will be of great value. God's word stands in on its own merit, and it's not dependent on imperfect human beings to win a uh, to win a hearing for it. Many people feel that if they can't sing, speak, teach, or preach as well as their idolized heroes, they're incapable of saying or doing anything to God's glory. Don't apologize or compensate for your inadequacies, except. With, accept with humility both the limitations and the strength God has given you. Don't let your strengths obscure God's message, but let your weakness become a canvas on which God's power can be seen. Second Corinthians 12, 9 to 10. Um, you know, I think he he had a big fear there about um, false teachers coming in deceiving the flock. Yeah, we're already there. Yeah. Yeah, and um, he goes for I, he goes. I promise you, as a pure bride to one husband, Christ. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And then it seems like it, like John. I saw First uh, John one through five here. You know, because uh, they have to. You know, in sales, when we sell somebody a life insurance, mm -hmm. it's a good policy, say term insurance. Mm -hmm. They would always get contaminated with. Um, with uh, universal life, mm, yeah. or, or, mm, or, or mm. a policy that right. had that had a savings, but it had small writing on it that would take that would deceitful. Uh -huh. And I would have to go back and clear them up. And I go, didn't I just educate you on, oh. on what's right? And and you need to invest in an IRA for your mm -hmm. thing, mm -hmm. and don't mix investments with that because they, you know, they're not licensed to, to take your investment. Mm -hmm. These people are licensed to put in a pure blue fund chip fund and, and invest in America. Right here, you're investing in their company and they're paying you hardly anything. And then if you make any money, they're going to take it from you. <laughs> yeah, you know, uh, yeah, because it seems like the people seem like, like they're just easy to be swayed people. Yeah. It says, you happily put up with whatever anyone tells you, even if they preach a different Jesus than the one we preach, or a different kind of spirit than the one you received, or a different gospel than the one you believe. So he's got a real concern. And, but I like he's you know very confident man. He says, uh, 
I don't consider myself inferior in any any to these super apostles he calls them. Um, and uh, he he I, he sees where he's not as strong. You know, he's an unskilled as a speaker, but he's not. He's very confident that he does not lack in knowledge. So. Um, Um, I think that he really well he says but I can I will continue doing what I have always done this will undercut those who are looking for an opportunity to boast that their work is just like ours and these people are false apostles they're deceitful workers who disguise themselves as apostles of Christ. He said, but I'm not surprised. Even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. So it's no wonder that his servants also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness. In the end, they will get the punishment their wicked deeds deserve. Wow, that's really... I didn't pick that up when, when you were reading that, but... It says here... They disguise themselves as servants of righteousness. Okay? And in the end, they'll get punished for the wicked deeds they deserve. So, it sounds to me like they're, um, first of all, they're not preaching the right gospel. And, um, but they're like acting like, you know, God didn't really put them in the pulpit. And they're preaching the wrong gospel, saying you have to be holy or whatever. And then, then they're deceiving their flock and they're not feeding the flock and and then God will take care of it that's beautiful, why that's beautiful. why we have to say God will take care of these things you know there's a lot of beautiful you can't argue with people with a different doctrine you know all over the world there's beautiful pure churches uh, proclaiming the gospel through the New Testament you know Corinthians and so forth they're feeding the flocks and they're loving and everything um Every once in a while, they, uh, but you know, we do have someone that, uh, they get into methods, you know, the guy has spoke to them, or moved in a method, and they want to stick to that method, that's where you got them, uh, you know, and of course, you know, you got your Mormons and your Jehovah Witnesses where they, where, you know, they're they're cults. Really? They're cults. Right. They won't come out mm. and, and argue with you. Mm. That's what a cult is. They won't argue their position with your Bibles and so forth and history and everything. They just, no, we're going to believe this way and you guys are wrong. Yeah, and it's doctrine that's been... Um... So, we're, you know, we're, we're in good hands and we thank God that we went through trials and tribulations to, yeah. to let us know that this, this is God Almighty. Through Christ Jesus giving us, and, and that's why we have to we have to know the word. What does the word say about that? I mean, that's you know, then they won't be able to sway your mind. You yeah. know, they won't be able to say, well, you know what, God, Jesus was poor, and He wants you to be poor too. You know, or hey, when you get to heaven, you'll be well. Amen. You know, so you know, or hey, you know, I just wait till Jesus comes to walk in your destiny. They want to cash on the authority of what they're selling. You know make you fearful you know that, that you don't know enough you know and make you fearful and well, so you got to do these it, again the law you got to do this this and this to get in yeah they even got things on top of the law <laughs> yeah Go commit your heart 
your actions, your wisdom, and your will to God. Pray for God's rescue. Pray in the psalm. Psalm 53, verses 1 and 6. Lord, we commit our hearts, we commit our actions, we commit our wisdom and our will to God. We pray for God to rescue us from anything. Lord, purify us with the fire of the Holy Spirit, that we may pure vessels ready for your return. Come, Lord Jesus, come. Amen. Maranatha. Psalm 53, verses 1 through 6. Only fools say in their hearts there is no God. They are corrupt and their actions are evil. Not one of them doth good. God looks down from heaven and the entire hum on the entire human race. He looks to see if anyone is truly wise. If anyone seeks God. Wave your hand, baby. Lord, I'm right here. <laughs> here we are. <laughs> but not all... But no, all have turned away. All have become corrupt. Not one does good, not a single one. Will those who do evil never learn? Will they eat, they eat up my people like bread and wouldn't think of praying to God? Terror will grip them. Terror like they have never known before. God will scatter the bones of your enemies. You will put them to shame for God has rejected them. Who will come from Mount Zion to rescue Israel? When God restores his people, Jacob will shout with joy, and Israel will rejoice. That's us there. We re Amen. The Lord has come to Manzan, and he Amen. has rescued us. Amen. God has restored us. Hallelujah. Spirit, soul, and body. Jacob, we shout with joy, and we rejoice. Proverbs 22, 20 and 29. Don't cheat your neighbor by moving the ancient boundary markers set up by previous generations. Do you see any truly competent workers? They will serve kings rather than working for ordinary people. Amen and amen. amen. <laughs> September the 9th, commentary. Heavenly Father, open our ears. And Lord, we thank you for the reading that we're going to do, Lord, from 365-day uh, books. And here is Anna with the first reading. Okay, September the 9th, it comes from... Joel Osteen's Your Best Life Now, or Your Best Life, begins each morning. Um, a habit of giving thanks. Now, our God, we give you thanks and praise your glorious name. 1 Chronicles 29:13. Some parents perpetually complain about their children. These children drive me nuts. They made me, they make such a mess. Do you realize that? Some husbands and wives have spent thousands of dollars and have gone through all kinds of medical procedures trying to become pregnant and have, and have children. They would give anything to be able to clean up that mess. When you drive to work, when it's time to go to church, when you get out of bed in the morning, be thankful to God no matter what you face. If you have $15 to your name, you're on top of, you are in the top 8% of the world, wealthiest people. We have so much to be grateful for. We should get in the habit of giving God thanks all day long. Start by giving Him thanks for this new morning. Amen. Thank you, Lord, for the reading. Amen. Okay, Kenny Copeland. Today, September the 9th. It says, exercise your rights. 
He, he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes we are healed. Isaiah 53.5 Jesus came to earth and gave himself as a sacrifice for sin in order to buy back for you everything that Adam lost. He came to destroy all the works of the devil, sickness and disease included. Once you receive him as Lord of your life, all the rights and privileges God or, or originally intended you to have, the rights to things like fellowship with God, health, and prosperity, are restored. But you are the one who has to exercise those rights. Yes, you. You see, the devil is an outlaw, and even though Jesus has taken away his authority on earth, even though he has no legal right to kill or steal from the children of God, he'll do it anyway, as long as you let him get away with it. You must enforce his defeat by speaking the word of God in faith. Act on his word now. Demand that sickness and disease leave you in the name of Jesus. Then refuse to back off that demand. Resist the devil with all your gut. All you got. He might fight you for a while, but sooner or later... He will flee from you. Amen. Amen. Okay. This comes from uh, Jesus Calling, which is Sarah Young, enjoying his, enjoying peace in his presence. Okay. So it's September 9th. It says, Walk with me along paths of trust. The most direct route between point A and point B on your life journey is the path of unwavering trust in me. When your faith falters, you choose a trail that meanders and takes you well out of your way. You will get to point B eventually, but you will have lost precious time and energy. As soon as you realize you wandered from your trust path, look to me and whisper, I trust you, Jesus. This affirmation will help you get back on track. Okay. The farther you roam along paths of unbelief, the harder it is to remember that I'm with you. Anxious thoughts branch off in all directions, taking you farther and farther from the awareness of my presence. You need to voice your trust in me frequently. The simple act of faith will keep you walking along straight paths with me. Trust in me with all your heart and I will make your path straight. And the scriptures come from Isaiah 26, 4, Psalm 9, 10, Psalm 25, 4 to 5, and Proverbs 3, 5 to 6. Amen. Amen. Now I'm reading from Merlin Carotter's Power and Praise. He says, Why did God cause a man to be blind from birth? Jesus and his disciples were walking along when they saw a man who had been blind from birth. Master, Peter says, his disciples asked him, Why was this man born blind? Was it a result of his own sins or those of his parents? Neither, Jesus answered, but to demonstrate the power of God. John 9, 2, and 3. Then Jesus went on to heal the man. The disciples looked at the blind man from the viewpoint of human reasoning and understanding. Jesus saw the situation under the perfect control and power of God. Our viewpoint makes all the difference. I have received hundreds of letters from people who read Prisoner Praise. Seventy-five percent of the letters come from people who tell me how they started praising God for a difficult situation with amazing results. 25% of the letters come from people who tell of the same kind of situation 
but they are not able to believe that God is at work and can't praise Him for it. They are defeated, discouraged, and desperate. The difference is not in the situation, but in the viewpoint, and consequently in the outcome. Many write about the death of a close friend or relative. Tom suffered so terribly, wrote one lady. We had taken him to healing services and prayer groups all over the country. He seemed better for a while, and our hopes soared. Then the cancer came back, and after months of agony, he died. How could God be so inconsistent? I can't believe it was his will that Tom died so young. He was a Christian and wanted to serve God. If God did it all just to teach the rest of us a lesson, why did Tom have to suffer? I can't believe I'm supposed to praise God for what has happened. Here's another letter. Christ accept, Charles accepted Christ less than a year ago. He was a radiant witness for the Lord. After six months, he developed cancer. He had two operations, but the growth in his lungs returned. He called the elders of his church. They anointed him and prayed for his healing. When he went back for his checkup, the growth had disappeared. Charles rejoiced and praised the Lord. Then a few months later, he had severe headaches. He went into the hospital for a checkup and was dead in two days, brain cancer. A pastor friend of the family flew into preach at the funeral. On the plane, he sat down next to a youth. They began to talk. The pastor shared Charles' story, and the young boy gave his life to Jesus Christ before the plane landed. In New Orleans, the pastor changed flights. On the next leg of his journey, he sat next to a young woman. She, too, inquired where he was going, and he told her the story about Charles. Before the plane landed, she had accepted Jesus Christ as her Savior. The funeral was an occasion to praise the Lord for all he had done in Charles' life. After the funeral, two men accepted Christ on the sidewalk outside the chapel. Charles' body was flown to his hometown for burial. During the ceremony, I couldn't take my eyes off the face of the young widow. She was radiant with an inner peace and joy. During the past year, she and Charles had come to know the joy that comes from praising God for all things. She told me, Death is swallowed up in victory. 1 Corinthians 15:54. I have no reason to weep. Praise God. The two letters told the similarity circumstances, but what a difference. One is the story of defeat the other of victory. One sees from the human viewpoint, the other from the viewpoint of Christ. The Bible tells us that we can have the viewpoint of Christ. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, Philippians 2, 5, and be constantly renewed in the spirit of your mind, Ephesians 5, 23, Amplified. Paul wasn't suggesting an impossibility. The key words in his passage are let and be renewed. When we read, study, and meditate on God's Word, we wash and renew our minds as we spend time in His presence. Our minds are changed to have the same attitude, the same perspective that Christ had, to be a humble servant of the Lord. Amen. Amen. Okay, you're next. Okay, um, the, sec the third book I have here is Jesus Today. It's called Experiencing Hope Through His Presence, and it's also Sarah Young, and it's a it doesn't have dates on it, so I always have to do a random thing. Random uh, Random. Uh-huh. But it's always spot on. Okay, it's day number 64. It says, Don't be afraid to be happy because you are mine. You can expect to experience some happiness even in this broken world. Yet anxiety sometimes intrudes upon your carefree moments. 
You start wondering if there are things you should be doing or plans you should be making. Your underlying feeling is that it isn't safe to let down your guard and simply be happy in the moment. How wrong this is, my child. I have called you to cease striping, let go, relax, and know that I am God. You may think that you need to have all your ducks in a row before you can relax and enjoy my presence. But consider the overall context of this command. Through the, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, the psalmist who penned these words was describing a terrifying catastrophe. So you don't need to wait till you've solved all the problems in your life. This very moment is the right time to enjoy me. Come boldly into my presence, saying, Jesus, I choose to enjoy you here and now. And the scripture says, uh, Happy are the people whose God is the Lord, Psalm 144.15. Cease strifing and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth, Psalm 46.10. And the last one is Psalm 46.1-3. It says, God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. In times of trouble present help in trouble this this particular version um, therefore we will not fear though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging psalms 46 1 to 3 it's a different version amen okay god calling aj russell september the 9th cultivate yourself in thy strength we conquer Yes, this is Jesus speaking. Yes, your conquering power you gain from me. There can be no failure with me. The secret of success then is life with me. Do you want to make the best of life? Then live very near to me, the master and giver of all life. Your reward will be sure it will be perfect success, but my success Sometimes the success of souls won, sometimes the success of disease cure and devils cast out, sometimes the success of a finished sacrifice on a Calvary, sometimes the success of one who answers never a word in the face of the scorn and torture of jeering cries of his enemies, or the success of a risen Savior as he walked through the garden of Joseph of Arimathea on the first Easter morning. But my success, the world may deem your failures. The world judges not as I judge. Bend your knees and wonder before my revelation. The joy of seeing spiritual truth is a great joy. When we, when the heavens are open and the voice speaks not to all hearts, but to the faithful loving hearts. Remember your great field of labor is yourself. That is your first task, the weeding, the planting, the digging, pruning, bearing fruit. When that is done, I lead you out into other fields. Whoa. Amen. Hey. Amen. <laughs> okay, this is also a random um, choice, no dates, called uh, The Provision Promises by Joseph Prince. Um, and uh, it starts with, Holy Spirit, open my eyes to see what I need to see about Jesus for my area of need. Woo, I like that. Set free, the, the title says, Set free after a revelation of God's love. 
A precious brother once wrote to me about how he had been depressed and defeated for many years because he saw God as angry, unloving, an angry, unloving God, one whom he needed to please constantly. It was only after Jesus had revealed his finished work to this man that he was set free from believing that he had to earn the Father's approval. This revelation of the Lord's perfect work on the cross also opened his eyes to see God's unconditional love for him and freed him to experience healing and restoration in so many practical areas of his life. Beloved, whatever your need is today, I encourage you to pray. Holy Spirit, open my eyes to see Jesus as I need to today. When you have a revelation of Jesus that speaks to your area of need, you will find faith filling your heart to receive your miracle. Amen. Amen. Faith filling your heart to receive your miracle. Amen. Praise God. All right, we got dear uh, Dodie Osteen choosing life one day at a time, September the 9th. God requires loyalty and devotion. Exodus 34:14 says, For you must worship no other God but only Jehovah, for he is a God who claims absolute loyalty and exclusive devotion. This scripture applies to us today as well as to the Israelites and Moses led them through the wilderness towards the promised land. There is no other God. People make other gods, but there is only one true God, Jehovah, and he requires our loyalty and exclusive devotion. The word loyalty means firm in alliance to one's government, homeland, and sovereign. Faithful to a person, custom, or ideal. Devoted means to give one's time, attention, self entirely to a particular activity or cause. When we give ourselves entirely to the cause of Christ and are loyal to Him, we will have happiness in this world where there isn't any real happiness without God. And the prayer is, I worship you, my Father, and no other. I worship you, my Father, and thank you. I worship you, my Father, and no other. You are worthy of absolute loyalty and exclusive devotion. I am yours, Lord, everything I am and, and everything I am not. All belongs to you. You are my God, and my happiness is in knowing you. Amen. Amen.